guys, uh, I I gotta be honest. I don't want to live in California anymore. Oh boy, too hot. It's too hot. 110 plus degrees all last weekend. For too hot. Labor Day failed state. Forget about that uh, place. <laughs> Just cut it off and let it drift off into the ocean because it is is too hot. Um, did not did not did not care for it. I'm actually roasting right now while we record. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. Mm. It's it's a good sacrifice for the for the goose buddies. Have you considered a mole's life and moving underground? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because while we hid indoors all weekend, me and me and Heidi, I was starting to feel like. The Morlocks from the Time Machine. In a good way? In a yeah, good I mean, way? I think they had some ways, to, some good ideas. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, we just close all the blinds, no lights allowed into the house. Uh, we we only step outside after the sun is set. It's essentially a vampire life, and we we're making it work. And that's kind of what the Morlocks did. They come above ground and they eat the Eloy. Yeah. <laughs> I also ate a random person this weekend, so you know what? I've paid it all off. Well, that's not the real thing we're talking about, Chad. We're talking about how it's too hot where you are. <laughs> too hot, and you know, uh, I I want to go somewhere else, and I'm thinking based on what we covered for this book today, maybe I just go to Britain where nothing's wrong. Rainy old Britain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have problems that even make their way over to our Twitter accounts that we, that I see on vacation. <laughs> They don't have problems in our same language that we can understand. <laughs> I mean, it seems like the monarchy's going strong and has been had taken zero losses in its entire multi-century long campaign. Yeah. Fun fact, we actually recorded this two days before the queen died. God did decide that they should be the leaders, so I would, of course they would have a good life. <laughs> I, I was thinking about them actually a lot this weekend, um, not because we were reading this book for today, but uh, I finally... I'd never watched the Naked Gun movies. Oh, like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to me. Like, I'd just seen scenes from them. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's O.J. Simpson. Oh, <laughs> that's O.J. Simpson getting sent down a staircase and dying. So that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> but, like, a major plot of the first Naked Gun is that the queen is visiting Los Angeles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she's at the big baseball game for the Angels. Okay, and a uh, Ricardo Montalban, aka Khan, uh, is going to trigger a sleeper cell agent in the right fielder who's mm-hmm. going to shoot the Queen, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah, like pretty rad. You come to LA, the Queen, you get shot. Pretty sick and very American way to assassinate a, pre- a, a head of state. <laughs> so an American baseball player doing it? The only way it could be more American is if he took a bat up and batted a ball into her face and killed her with that. That would, that would be the most American. Way. <laughs> Again, we didn't know the queen was going to die this week. And you say, Paul Revere, bitch. And then you, <laughs> and you just take a big swing. What if I land? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it made me wonder, partly kind of related to this, has the queen ever visited America actually? Because I would feel like it would be weird. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember. Let's see. It'd be kind of like a strange affront, right? Like, hey, I'm going to come to this country that said fuck you crown like why would she ever do that i'll i'll tell you she did come here well they had wow. you know, they they had they had to at some point because we absolutely kicked their freaking butts so then now they have to show up <laughs> and pay respect <laughs> <laughs> 
when, uh, wait, I'm assuming you look this up. When did she? When did the queen? Who's never? It's the same queen. Which for the it, last this, hundred years? Well, uh, I guess we did. Have, I guess we were working with them to spread terror throughout the world at this time. She came in 2007 when uh, George Bush was <laughs> waging his wonderful. Oh well, sure, wonderful. yeah. Blair they, and Bush were best friends. They were. Sure. They were. They were buddying up at that time. So sure, that makes sense. It still feels weird just to be. Like a monarch, I know she, the queen's not really like in power anymore. It's just a strange system. But I don't know. It's like go. I feel like it's like the the global equivalent of going to your ex's house's like party. You know what I mean? It's like going to your ex's house, but they have a cool new significant other that you like. I guess you like the significant other. Yeah, you're like I'm there for them more than you, ex. But I'm here and I'll eat your corn dogs. You still care about the ex because they uh, provide a lot of monetary value to you in some way. But you also love their new ex, their new uh, significant other. So you're into it. Is the significant other in this in this situation <laughs> just like entertainment? Like our American <laughs> yeah, our Hollywood music channel. system? Yeah, our Hollywood system. That's why she went to L.A. to get assassinated by that baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to die. I want to die in the at an Angels stadium. game, not a Dodgers game. Why would she go to an Angels game over a Dodgers game? Hey, well, Angels can become an angel or, oh. or a Lucifer. Well, we all know if you die at an Angels game, you instantly go to heaven. Yeah, that's the old, that's the old loophole right there. Oh, because it's like yeah, because the God blessed the team. It's the equivalent of essentially doing your last rites confessions uh, before you die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas at a Dodgers game, she would merely just dodge out of the way because everyone's (laughs) evasion increases for being in the crowd. Yeah. Oh, Dodgers are known for dodging God's grasp. Yeah. Like God comes down to pick you up with his big hand. You're like, nah, and you're just too slippery. (laughs) I'm staying down here. Too slippery for God. 2007, huh? Queen Queen last came over in 2007. That's what it says on the internet. I don't know. But... Does it say, Paul, what she did? Like what she checked out? I have a theory. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. 2007 is when Bioshock came out. Oh, so... <laughs> maybe it wasn't over there just yet. She got here a couple months early. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to get an early copy of Bioshock? Didn't you? Wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, I loved Bioshock. Is it not clear that I loved Bioshock? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of good games came out in 2007. Uh, Assassin's Creed, the first one, Super Mario Galaxy, others. I think the Orange Box came out, I think. Wow, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Halo 3, Team Fortress 2. That's a good year. Mass Effect, Rock Band. Wait, the first Mass Effect also? Yes. Damn. The the Ratatouille game. All right, (laughs) here's what I'm going to say. Let's line up. We can line up her visits with when good video games came out. She also came in 1991. So what came out in 1991? Maybe Battletoads. She came for Battletoads. I was like, I don't think we had super. I don't think we had Super Nintendo yet. Uh, Actually, we did. Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past available in 1991. That explains it. There it is. I mean, do you think the Queen has ever played a video game? What else? What else would you do? I exactly though. But like, what is she doing? (laughs) <laughs> Do you think she has like a whole setup? Yeah, she's got like a she's got like a, a neon pink gamer chair with RGB on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's made of RGB lights. Why isn't the queen sh- streaming right now? I mean, I know why now. She doesn't fucking have to. She can just play video games for the fun of it. She doesn't have to do anything. She just kind of has to wave. Can you imagine being able to just do something for fun and not monetize it? <laughs> oh my god, Paul, you just, <laughs> you just like, <laughs> what a world. <laughs> You just like pummeled me into the ground. With that. <laughs> Do you, can you imagine taking a, a medium you enjoy, like playing video games or reading books, and 
not doing it for some sort of financial uh, survival. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, man. Well, speaking of the year 1991, ironically, I think the real reason McQueen came over in 1991 was to bring over a newly published collection of short stories called Seven Strange and Ghostly Tales. (laughs) Wow. Was it the same year? That was 1991 that this book came out. Yes. Fantastic. What What a beautiful... Thank you to the Queen. Thank you, the Queen. Thank you. Thank you for allowing, I'm assuming, United Brian Jakes at some point. I th- he had to be right. He's definitely a knight. If he's not, if he's not a knight, that's yeah. fucked up. I'm pulling it up. <laughs> I'm gonna Google. I'm just, I'm just going to his Wikipedia and type c- Control F Knight. No, do you hear that beep of failure that's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound of Control F not working on his page. Wow. What wow. How is he not a knight? That's so bullshit. <laughs> he was awarded an honorary doctorate of letters by the University of Liverpool. That's not being a knight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they made Picard a knight. Like, come on. Yeah, he should have been a knight. Do authors get to be knights? I th- I feel I feel like mm. only actors get to be knights. I feel like these the, days. what's the name of the dude that wrote James Bond? Oh, Sir Ian, Sir Ian Fleming. Sir Ian, he's he got to be a knight, right? He's or Ian. he was born Sir. Was Ian. he born That's how you sir. just cheat it. You put Sir in your first mm, name. No, and no I, one does I it. feel like he got knighted because I don't know. You know, like it just feels like a thing. Like you created like the you created the Rocky of Britain, you know? You know, it's a little fucked up that none of us have been knighted. Like there's three of us and none of us are knights, technically. You would think that by just like chance one of us would have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. It's eventually at some point. I would hope that it would be Chad. I only trust Chad with that power. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I'm I'm passing that to Kevin. Uh, now we'll put off balance that Paul wouldn't trust me to be a knight. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to pass it to me, and then we would have passed the test of knighthood and all become knights yeah. because we would have passed on the power. Now we failed. That's why none of us are knights, uh, Paul. I got hurt feelings. <laughs> You're not allowed to have no, no, as a no feelings as a knight. No, no, you no. can't. You can't have hurt feelings and be a knight. What do you actually get to be a knight anymore? Like, do you do you still get? I'm, I'm going off like Game of Thrones. Do you still well, get a castle? No, you get a copy of Bioshock. <laughs> and it says this is our ideal. This is what we're shooting for is is, is what's in this game. I don't even think you got, well, maybe a long time ago you got land, but you pretty much were just like, hey, you get to kill people for this guy who has a lot of money. So here you go. You're a knight now. I think today knights just get to be like kind of obnoxious. Like, yeah. Can you be a doctor and a knight? Can you be like Dr. Sir Ian? Sir, Do- Sir Doctor or Doctor Sir? I think you'd put the Sir uh, for Sir Doctor. Doctor's Knights. I'm Googling. How about this? Each of us right now, we each of us get to pitch okay. one rule that applies to a knight. Okay. One law. Like one thing a knight gets to do. Okay. Um, I will, I will start with one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A royal knight, as long as they are in the country that they are knighted, are able to, uh, if they see any food... That they can take with their own hands, they're allowed to take it. They can say onesies and take it. Yeah, as long as, as you can like fight back even too, but like as long as they're able to just overtake it from you, you're it's there. <laughs> okay, simply. so if you can fight the knight off, you will not be punished. Oh no, you still get punished. Oh, damn, I was gonna say that sounds like a pretty fair rule. <laughs> I think it, I actually, uh, yeah, I think I like yours more, Paul. But I feel like the knighthood's got this weird power structure where they get to like. No, you're right. We can't stuff. we can't nerf knights. You're right. Yeah. So food theft is my knight is my knight rule. They just get any food they want. Pretty much. I mean, they, again, they have to be able to carry it themselves. They can't go like yeah. 
hey, uh, McDonald's, everything in the kitchen is mine. They have to be like, okay, well, how many bags can you carry? And then and then they do it. And even then it's be like, well, we haven't made them yet, so we're not going to make you the food. Mm-hmm. So give, me the, give me the raw meats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you can carry as much raw meat as you want. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What you guys got? Does it, does this have to be upside? Can it be only upside, or can I put some? Can I put like some night curses on them? I was gonna do a night curse myself. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, you got to power balance out free food everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> if if you meet a knight and it's your birthday, the knight has to do one chore for you. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like like a normal like a normal like household chore is what you're saying. Yeah. This like maxes out at helping you move but only one truck. Okay. Uh, yeah. No no multiple trips, one trip. Yeah. But it can it, it it can be something smaller like you have to clean the cat box or uh you have to wash dishes or something like that. Okay. Why I like this Kevin as much as that's a big a big nerf tonight. I think yeah. that works along with the idea of being a servant of the kingdom. Yes. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It yeah. fits right into what their what their modus operandi is. Oh hell, is. there's a spider in my house. Come get it. Come kill it, knight. It's my birthday. Kill it, knight. This doesn't have to be a, a much publicized rule. Like this can be kind of a secret rule. <laughs> it's like an if if you know you know type of thing. Yeah. They're okay. like, you know, don't abuse the privilege. Like, you know, don't if you happen to run into a night and it's your birthday, like, be you know, cool. it's like your free Starbucks or whatever. Right. But. Be cool about it. But, do, you <laughs> yeah. know, take advantage. Don't ruin it for everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> My rule is going to be that they're not allowed to play Bioshock. Whoa. Wow. Oh, and, wait, just, just Bioshock 1 or any of the Bioshock The series? one that they were given on becoming a knight. The ultimate monkey's paw <laughs> knight. Enjoy that, knights. I I I kind of I like that rule, but I think I would expand it to a knight is not allowed to take a digital life. Wow! <laughs> Wait, okay, hold on. Like, <laughs> when you say take a digital life, do you mean kill someone in digital or become a persona online? That was my exact question. They they can't kill a video game character. Wow! <laughs> so they have to play pacifist pacifist runs. mode on every yeah. game. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they can play bejeweled as long as they don't like assign like characterness to the jewels or anything. Like right, that. or or like and like and they, okay. yeah, they they can't even get around it by like playing bejeweled or like playing like Tetris and being like there's ants at the bottom and I'm crushing them. Like trying to like make up a like little narrative where they're killing something. Like you can't even pretend yeah. knights. That would make you uh, a false knight for sure. I can see why Brian Jake's turned down being a knight. Yeah, I mean, you can play, like, Vice City, but, like, you have to follow all the traffic laws and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I had a friend who did that, who just stopped at the lights and, like, wait for it. And like, you don't have to do that. You won't get a star. No, you have to be a good boy when you're playing a video game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You must be a good boy. Uh, so, Should we talk about this book? Yeah, let's talk about the book that almost got Brian Jakes knighted. I can't believe his name's Brian Jakes. Wow. I, do we know for sure a Goose Buddy sure. told us and we never verified? No, I told you. Oh, okay. Well, you were a Goose Buddy. You are well, a good. You're the best of Goose Buddies. But but it is it is Brian Jakes and Jakes goes like cakes. But I'm going to be calling him the Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Goose Buds, uh, a podcast where we read YA books. Uh, today we're reading Brian Jakes's. Uh, seven scary stories to tell while you're eating a pie. Good, good try. <laughs> seven strange and ghostly tales. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> we want we we thought we so we've been talking about Redwall, 
and we've been talking yeah. about the Jake's, the Jake's cakes. Uh, yeah. And uh, we were like, hey, this guy has supposedly written some spooky stories. Maybe we sh- that would fit just into the, the oeuvre of our show, you know? It's a very European podcast already. <laughs> we're going for international audiences on this Too podcast. European, not British enough. Now, <laughs> only, I'm overcompensating because of how goddamn British this book is. This book is so British. Like, I think it is very goosebumpsy. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Like... A, a couple of the stories we read like kind of have that goosebumps style punchline at the end mm-hmm. yes which i was like oh okay we we said 1991 is the publication date so it like is. when's the first goosebumps i'm look i'm actually looking out. that up right now kevin because i was wondering the same thing i was wondering it earlier and i didn't i didn't look it up for some reason yeah um and i should have uh the first one actually uh book number one welcome to the dead house 1992 so Jake, oh, Jake's did it first. Jake's did it first. A Jake take. I I feel like uh, if you like Goosebumps books, you're probably gonna really like uh, what what Beach has going on in Seven Strange and Ghostly Tales. We should clarify too that we only read three of the stories. We each picked a story. Uh, Kevin, yep. you picked Jamie and the Vampires. Yeah. Chad, you picked Ali slash Alma, which is I feel like out of the names, the most the one that I feel like you would pick the most. I'm glad that I was able to guess that. Oh, well, thank you. It just seems thank right. You. Alma. I don't know. I feel like it's the name Alma that speaks to you. I just I just saw in the synopsis that it was about an egg and I was like, I love eggs. <laughs> and I want to hear what Jake's does about you know, he's a food writer. <laughs> he's a he is a so, foodie first. Uh, what's and, he going to do with this egg? And it, it's yeah. funny because I did the same thing where I picked the sad history of Gilly Bodkin because I saw that it was about sweet meat. Yep. <laughs> and I, I picked Jamie and the Vampires because I thought it sounded like a kick-ass punk band. It really did. And the kids were bordering on being l- some London punks, you know, or some oh, Liverpool oh, punks. Yeah, yeah. This, well, you know, we didn't even read the first story, which I'm glad we, we don't reflect on it, but it definitely was about youths that vandalize graffiti on walls. And it was so hard not to picture... But Jake's had to be still at least like an old man at this point, mm-hmm. like kind of just writing a story about these young ruffians tagging up his bricks. Uh-huh. Why do they need to do such things? And then <laughs> same with the same with uh, the one you picked, Kevin. Yeah. You want me to write a story for kids? I'll write a story for kids. <laughs> I'll teach those goddamn kids. <laughs> he taught us a number of lessons with these stories. I think the nice thing about the three that we picked is I feel like they all had pretty drastically different tone. Yes. Do we, do we want to jump right in, start with Jamie and the Vampires? I feel like that's the first one that appears in the book. Yeah, we'll go in order. So it was Jamie and the Vampires, Ali Alma, and then Sad History of Gilly Bodkin was the last that we read. So uh, all of these stories begin with a little poem, mm. which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. We should read the poems. I, I actually think that Jamie and the Vampires has the most garbage poem of all of them. I, I didn't I didn't solve the riddle, and I was hoping you guys did. I did. It's vampire. See, they're spelling vampire. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see I don't see alright so we should read it I'll read it right I now I'll read it right this now this is how we do it we say the solution first and then we just read the that's how it's the most engaging for our listeners oh oh my god I'm just now realizing what I was thinking it's the letters okay got yeah. it alright ready oh, so Jesus. my first is in victory though not in battle my second's top mark the start of an apple my third is is in empty and also in mitts my fourth is in pieces but not in bits my fifth's in a needle, but not in its spelling. My sixth, la- my sixth last in the water, first in repelling. My seventh and last is a compass point. Also found twice in, quote, 
every joint. So put me together and I hear you say, you'll never see him around during the day. What am I? And then it says Jamie and the Vampires right under that. So you know there's vampires. <laughs> it's vampires, yeah. See, <laughs> I, I was like, well, if the answer should clearly be vampires. I just didn't understand how the clues were that at all. I Got understand it. now. Got it. I, Got I'm it. bad at riddles, guys. The Sphinx <laughs> would kill me. Yeah, you'd have gotten Sphinx molested. In, in Redwall, there's a very like kind of obvious riddle like this, which... I know he's writing for a younger audience, but like the characters in Redwall literally like walk you through solving the riddle. Right. And it's like it's like the most agonizing part. It's like of- put some fucking burners in there like Tolkien did, you know? Yeah. Put yeah. some rippers I mean, in your book. Like, what, like speak like speak friend and enter is pretty clever. Real quick, can I talk about speak friend and enter? Yes, of course. Yeah, please. Uh, how dare you bring up Tolkien on this podcast? Because Speak for an enter isn't a riddle. It's literally there used to be a time where the dwarves of Moria and the elves of Rivendell were such good friends that there was an open door policy between the two kingdoms. And the words are in Elvish above the door, Hmm. implying that this is meant as a, hey, elves, all you have to do is say the word friend and come on in. That's it. It, It's not meant to be a riddle. It's puzzling because... This was so long ago that even Gandalf doesn't remember a time where mm-hmm. these two people were just friends. Damn. So, damn. It so wasn't that, even meant to be like a, a, a vague turn of phrase. Like, yeah. No. Okay. It, it's legit. Th- these two cities used to be really good friends, but that was so long ago that this door with a vi- that, is, that has a very simple lock on it is now like a tough puzzle. I can't wait to start using that at every party in the future. Whenever Lord of the Rings comes out. It's going to be Instead a lot. Of bringing up how Aragorn broke his foot on a helmet when he kicked it. I hope that all set. the times that people are talking about the new television show, you just completely veer the conversation away to that every single time, Chad. <laughs> uh, but Jamie and the Vampires. Uh, Jamie and the Vampires, yeah. Uh, Jamie is a little, a little uh, rapscallion of a mm. lad who's got a mom who's kind of written like a, like a horrible caricature of a mom. Yeah, definitely. She's a bit of a a harpy, you might say. Yeah, um, she's uh, constantly being compared to a chainsaw or a a, gr- a grinder or a sausage machine or something. There are many phrases where you could tell that. Brian Jakes grew up in a very working class environment with things like that. Like it's all tools and I, uh, cold as iron in a blizzard and things like that nature, uh, which yeah. I, I very much appreciate. But yes, she is uh, yelling at him for walking on the grass and the flowers, a very relatable thing as a kid. I'm sure you've all been yelled at for walking, walking on the wrong part of the lawn. My, my body's never going to be this late. I want to go parkour. <laughs> 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 there's a little bit of um i thought the interesting dynamic too that like the dad is just a uh, a non non-speaking figure there's yeah. you know there's even the mother going like oh wait till your father gets home i tell him what he does you'd be so mad and then yeah. like the dad and the son never interact just made it feel very much a like oh this is the nature of this family and uh dad comes from work late and son just goes to bed that sort of thing mm-hmm. that was an interesting dynamic yeah, Jamie even fantasizes about not having a mom, and it's just his dad. And Jamie eats beans out of a can all day. And that's his idea. <laughs> he, of eats cra- he eats crackers and beans out of a can. <laughs> and the only time he watches is when he goes swimming in the pool. <laughs> uh, that one hit a little too real. When he fantasizes, like I'm not big into eating beans, but when he it said he was like 
Also, he could wear black clothes, special ones that never needed washing. I'm like, oh no, that was me in college. Oh no. That's me right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're dark. You can't tell that they're dirty. It's the it's a life hack. <laughs> I I love that in his is also he wanted to eat beans, but the other thing was he specifically <laughs> says what you said, Chad, which is that his dad would just leave for work and be gone, and then he would just live go about his day doing whatever he so pleased, which was mostly eating cold beans. Yeah, he's kids once wanted to listen to rock music, where he'll need his beans. He wants to listen to his <laughs> tapes and watch TV and and eat his beans. <laughs> but he's he's headed out quickly to go to hang out with his arcade gang, which is a cool name and got me really excited mm-hmm. for the gang. Yeah, and I, I think they do a good job of, like, I'm not really sure when this is set, like, what time period. It seems a little timeless. So, like, it could be, like, a shopping arcade or it could just be a, like, like a video game arcade or something. I but. wasn't sure about that either. I thought I thought the same thing. Oh. It probably is, the like, the arcade because I, I believe the shopping arcades are still pretty prevalent around a lot of... Uh, this came out in 91. It's probably, it's probably safe to at least assume that Jake's knew about, like, Pac-Man. Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, but it's hard to tell when this exact story is said. It could True. really because there are allergy pills as well, which sort of like puts it closer to our time. I think they mentioned listening to tapes too. I do believe there is a tape is some tapes talk. So I, I got the uh, impression that this was supposed to be 1990 because Ali Alma is also 1990 for sure. Or sorry, it, no, no, Ali Alma is not set in a time. The sad history of Gilly Bodkin definitely links up yeah. to 1990 at one point. So <laughs> Jamie's uh, gang consists of Monahan, who is described as thick as two planks. Kellyanne, who is a lot like Jamie's mom in his estimation. We can see uh, misogyny forming as she talks to him and he starts to be irritated and says she'd probably grow up to be just like his mother, he could tell. <laughs> Yeah, like Jamie is like on a collision course with like p- being a fortuner or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's not like the greatest character to hang around. Uh also in the gang is Little Cliffy, who can who can do no wrong. <laughs> I love Little Cliffy. Little Cliffy. And Paula and Gary, who are the- also there. Yeah, Gary does nothing wrong either, too. And now these characters were not described by what they wear, and it was throwing. No, there was no description of any clothing, and I was, <laughs> I was, I was character blind throughout this entire story. <laughs> and yet, this still felt very RL, like the too many characters kind of thing. And there's only enough personality for like you know two and a half characters in this whole thing. Yeah, two so. characters' personality spread over six. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're sort of a gang of shits, honestly. Like. <laughs> Like if I was Jamie's mom, I wouldn't want him hanging around these guys either. They kind of no. suck. They're they're always like ripping on each other. Yeah, they show up. He shows up. They start picking on him. They say yeah. that they found a vampire's tomb, which is the yeah. and he's like, "You're having a laugh," and they say, "Mate, we're not having a laugh." Uh, <laughs> that, that's the that's like one of the most severe things you can say to another British person is you're having a laugh like that. That can wound a, a man. <laughs> it could be. It's a cut deeply. To their soul. <laughs> I, I, I like this this moment in that these kids just assume they found a vampire tomb because the names on it are Eastern European. I know. They see Hungarian <laughs> names and they're like, definitely vampires. Definitely vampire. I like how they call it Hungaria instead of Hungary. And that like, was good. And then like one of them like tries to correct them and like, no, it's Hungary. And they like they immediately jump on that kid being like, ooh, look who's a fucking smarty <laughs> pants. Mm-hmm. And then one of them specifically says Hungaria again, just to like 
cement the fact in that they're stupid like they're trying to be like anti-intellectual like it's, mm-hmm. it's good like there's some good characterization happening here yeah no for what we're most we're joking about there just being too many characters to really get to know with for what this is like what like a 15 20 page story or something yeah like, like, you're it's getting a better sense of these kids than other stories in an impressive way just like oh yeah uh Quick detail, Monaghan just uh, pulls out a broken knife and scrawls his name into the church wall. I'm like, tells me everything I need to know. Yes, I thought that too. I was like, that's great. Like, it's just a it, like you, this kid can't even keep his shitty little uh, pen knife in order, right? Like, you can't yeah. even keep you can't even like, keep the upkeep on that going. Yeah, yeah, if he can't vandalize something every ten minutes, then he's gonna get twitchy. So right, mm-hmm. it's great. <laughs> so Jamie says he's not scared of the vampire, uh, and they. They dare him to sit on the on the tomb step, and it's like this big, like uh, overgrown bronze doored stone Hungarian tomb. And they found a dead bat outside of it, or some shit. That made me sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that dead bat. Like they really kicked the shit out. Of I know they're kicking it around, throwing it at each other. Bats is cute. Don't mess with their dead bodies. It was just a little pipistrella. <laughs> I was thinking about like how the different horror authors would have done. I know that Jake's not a horror author, but the fact that I feel like there's like the Stephen King version or something where there would have been three chapters on just examining the dead vampire body and like looking in on the guts. This felt more just like, oh, this was a, a thing that a child's mind. We, we threw it over the hedge out of sight, out of mind, not to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they make Jamie sit uh, for uh, 600 seconds for 10 minutes. Uh, well, it counts 600. They try to scare him, but he ends up he ends up tricking them with his tricksy ways. <laughs> this is a good trick. By the way, this is, in case we didn't say, it's the middle of the day. Yeah. Right. It's not scary times right now. Not yeah. scary hours. So Jamie pretends to be asleep when the other kids, like, come up to, like, look at him. And he's getting Gary. Gary's getting got by his tricks right now. Gary's like, he's fucking dead. He got bit already. Oh shit. Gary is annihilated off the face of the fucking planet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it it's true because Gary is never mentioned again in this story. The second like Jamie scares him, Gary like freezes in place and then his like alpha slider goes all the way to the left and he just fades out of <laughs> just fades away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they forgot about they like don't even remember Gary's existence. Yeah. <laughs> scared the very thought of Gary out of their mind. It was Little Cliffy, Paula, and wasn't there one more? I don't, I don't no, remember. I guess not. Yeah, that's weird. Huh. Uh, so uh, Kellyanne and Monahan uh, dare Jamie and bet him a double dare and bet scenario. Come back at midnight, do the same thing again. That'll prove that you're not a scaredy person. And he's like, I should not say yes to this. <laughs> <laughs> But they get him, he, don't they get him through a little bit of, um, they do a little mental trickery on him, don't they? Yeah. I and think he re- just kind of just like did it and then later was like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that because how am I going to get out of the house? There's a little bit of like an, a, like a, um, an out of body experience where like his brain is like, I really shouldn't do this. And then you hear his mouth being like, I'm going to fucking do this. Mm-hmm. That feels right. That feels real. There's a, there's a nice little, uh, sneaking out the house scene where he unlatches one of the windows and sneaks out and you get and you get you get a little bit of the mom downstairs talking to the dad and like 
I, I did love, so we do, I, we would be remiss if we skipped over this one sequence when he does show up at home and his mother yeah. talks about food. We, there had to be a food reference, not just the beans, mm-hmm. but also the beautiful homemade chicken, chicken soup, uh, all greasy and cold now. <laughs> a cold, greasy chicken soup cold... left, left alone far too long. But you know what little detail of the mom that I did love is that she is yelling at him during this part. But she's like, yeah. go upstairs, go fit, clean your room. I'll and uh, you know, I'll heat the soup up for you. It'll be nice and hot for you back down here. Like in a total mom move, all mad at you, but still loving you he- deeply. Oh, mm-hmm. So very nice mom moment right there. Yeah. And I had before like we get to like the the final event, um, I had kind of hoped that this would be a more down-to-earth story almost, and the vampires in the story would actually refer to his shitty ass friends. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Kind of like that mountain goat song, Goddamn These Vampires. I thought it was going to be like that. <laughs> can you uh, can you tell Chad about that, that song? <laughs> I, know, I know that song. God damn I know it. the mountain goats. God damn it. Can you tell the audience about that song that might not know about it? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a mountain goat song that's sort of about having shitty friends who like put you through bad times and you don't really recognize that they're feeding off your pain until damn that's real yeah yeah that's kind of <laughs> i think it is damn these vampires is the name yeah. of the song okay okay cool great song great Look song. It up. great song finish listening to this podcast but then like listen to that <laughs> <laughs> jamie sneaks back out you know he meets up with monahan and kellyanne and they're like all right go sit in the darkness and walk all the way out into the graveyard and then come back and then you'll win the bet. He's mm-hmm. like, you fucking got it. So he cartwheels over to the grave <laughs> <laughs> uh, where he begins, he, where he sits like he did during the day, but he begins putting makeup on, which I thought was a very funny little sequence. Yeah. He has a secret, a secret pack. He snuck out of the house. They don't reveal until now. And this like Jamie's got a history, like a, like a future. Yeah. As a makeup, makeup artist? Without like, a doubt, yes. He's like, I'm going to scare these kids real good. He pulls out the crumpled paper bag, uh, dampening his face slightly, dabbed white flour. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was just, he took that from the kitchen. Uh, yellow clay into two stubby cones to the side of his neck. That's the genius. Yeah, this is incredible. Yeah. He, so he's making bite wounds. Yeah. Purple felt tip pen and dripped some of his mother's red food coloring beneath the two imitation vampire fight banks. This guy's making like a real uh, Greg Nicotera, like Walking Dead effects. Let's go. <laughs> he knew that this would be scrutinized. So he spared no expense. And he and he did mas- uh, mascara as well. And mm-hmm. yeah. as, mm-hmm. as someone who has had to apply mascara on his own with only a pocket mirror, it is difficult to do if you don't do it very often. Wow, never did it on my own. Yeah, that seems like it'd be very difficult. Yeah. I'd be afraid I'd stab myself in the eye, which I, I inevitably would do. I'm constantly afraid I'm going to stab myself in the eye, and my eyes aren't even that good. <laughs> <laughs> I got eye protectors on there all the time, and I'm still afraid still of it. Still worried about it. I like that. I like how this is written, that like there's at least an entire page of just the the makeup application, and then, and then Jake's just kind of hits you with a quick, like, one sentence of like the bronze door began to creak and open as it opened, yeah, as boom. It opened behind me. Yeah, boom. Whimmy whammies you with a vampire. Yeah, yeah. No, no like build up or like, and then you heard a creaking sound and then the door gave a little bit. And then, uh. and then he wondered, was this a vampire? <laughs> Am I seeing a vampire? Will the vampire be appearing before me right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None it's of that. It's just boom. Door opens, vampire shows up, gonna bite you. And he's like, oh shit, I'm being grabbed by a young boy vampire. 
oh no. And then- Record scratch. The twist happens. Vampire mom shows up. Further in the tomb. Further in the tomb. Yeah. 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 And uh, she's like, don't eat that. You'll spoil your dinner. Someone's already been biting this kid. He's all infected looking. And that's where you know that this was some pristine makeup work. He fooled a dang vampire. Mm -hmm. Jamie's got a future. He's got to get away from this arcade gang, though. Then there's a little, like, RL, like, monsters think ugly is beautiful type shit where she's like, put some more green on your teeth. Your teeth are too white. But Vampire Mom is momming the the little vampire kid. Opposite momming, yeah. Vladimir, I believe his name is. Yeah. I guess it's a joke. Like, I don't really know what's trying to be said here. Everybody's got a mom. (laughs) That's ultimately, like, how he plays it, right? Because... We see this happen, and then we pull back to the two friends, and they're waiting on him, and they're like, where is he? Why? Maybe something happened to him. And they're like, yeah, he probably chickened out. And then they see him, and he's he's laughing maniacally in front of the the thing. And Monaghan says to, uh, what's her name? Kelly? Kelly Kelly Ann. Kelly Kelly Ann. What's what's he saying? And he's just rocking and going, just like my mom, just like my mom. And it's not scary, and it's not particularly very funny, but- I gotta say, it works. Was it strange and ghostly? It was strange. So. Yeah, this is none of these are advertised as scary. These are just strange and ghostly. Right. True. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a sweet little, like a sweet little turn. I don't know, just like, oh yeah, the the vampires—they're just like us. Uh, he could. Re- he was saved in a way by the same thing that he hated. Right, an overbearing mother. Right. Uh, right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. There's a subtle irony in there. Yeah, I th- I th- I was, it was a very cute ending that also didn't come completely out of nowhere. Right, I, I thought that was a very it was a very cute little story. None of this kid's traits ended up mattering apart from the fact that he's good at makeup, which was not established until he started putting it on. <laughs> so it did feel fairly like goosebumps. I'd well, say. you know, there is um, there's like a defiant streak in him that seems to be working for him, which I think. You know, because in the beginning, his mom yells at him. And then, like, as soon as she's done yelling, he just jumps over the hedge right in front of her again. Right. Being like, mm. F you, mom. He's a, he's being a real punk right now. And then, like, <laughs> and, then, and then his friends are trying to, to you know, to have a laugh on his on his behalf. And mm. he he's like, fuck you guys. So he's got a real punk attitude. And you know what? I'm going to say that uh, by being very good at applying makeup, he's breaking gender norms of the time. He's very punk rock. That's what I'm going to say that his yeah. character's traits are. He has traits. He has traits. This one's got traits. I would use this actually to talk about the next story if we're down. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ali, Ali Elma, I thought this was a great little horror uh, protagonist. This one is fucked up. Ali oh, slash man. Alma is a messed up person. She is mean. She, oh, Ali, Ali Elma is a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. I would genuinely think so. Uh, we, we meet, uh, and this is... I don't know if this is exactly what time period it was. But this post-World War II. World, yeah, World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Mrs. Strubin's, uh, the, the lady we meet, is uh, grew, grew up under the Nazis, so. Oh, that's true. She did. Yeah, she did. She did say that. This one uh, probably occurs, again, in like the 80s, 90s period. It has to be taking place there. Um, should we read the poem? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll read the poem. There's no riddle here. No riddle. This, that, the first, maybe that was the only one we read, but the riddle was the first one. Uh, okay. Always remember that if you're lucky, you'll live to be old one day. It's not always the good who die young, as I've heard people say. One day your eyes won't be so bright, your hearing won't be so good, and winter cold will make you feel the thinning of your blood. So be kind to the old ones. Try to help them when you can. 
Ensure against your own old age, young lady or young man. Now here's a girl to read about who thinks she's not to blame because she's christened Alma and she doesn't like her name. She plays a game with old ones. Alma, Ollie, who is who? Dear reader, are you puzzled? Good, my tale will interest you. A nice little spooky amuse-bouche for you right there. That whole thing, that whole poem won't make a lick of sense to you until after you've read the whole, the whole story. Yeah, I guess, I guess the way that it is a riddle in itself. Uh, it's a nice tone setter. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I'd classify this as a, a horror story. I guess it is. Um, in the end, it's like, uh, it's almost like a little bit of a um, cosmic horror in a certain way at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's called, the story is called Ali Alma because inside Alma Budley, there are two personalities. Two wolves. There is her birth Christian name, Alma, that she hates. You know, I think that's a very nice name. It is. I like that name, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then she insists, though, that everyone calls her Allie, that all the young friends, girls in school, everyone calls her Allie. But I guess as it's starting to writ, uh, Jake's kind of naturally does this thing where, without her even acknowledging it, the two different personas sort of argue in her mind over actions to take. Right. Um, well, something that Allie wouldn't do, Alma might do. Uh, and Allie, Alma, volunteers, I don't know if this was a common thing or just a nice thing for children to do, just volunteers to help old people around the city. Yeah, I, at first he, they were talking about her, and I'm like, "What a what a nice young woman!" She, she volunteers at the neighborhood volunteer help junior branch. Yep, I think in um, I think in America this would be a church group of some sort, mm. but perhaps mm. in England they just do it to be good people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do it. They don't do it to get into heaven. No, no. <laughs> kind of re- kind of related. Have you guys seen that clip from like QI or nine out of ten cats or whatever where uh Stephen Fry asks all the panelists like which country has over ten million of its people in prison? And they're like, America. And like, yeah, and they're all just sad about it. <laughs> There's no jokes, they just talk like, Wow, that's a what a bad place. A lot of people to be in prison. Wow. What a terrible uh, and bad place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, the, the Neighborhood Volunteer Help Junior Branch, or the NVHJB, to make it easier to say, <laughs> yep. is, is like, why, you might be like, why is Allie, you know, so part of this? She, she's really, this must be a good kid. Turns out, Allie Alma's got a secret in that she steals stuff from all these old people. She empties out a she box, had- a salad box, which I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what is a salad box? I don't freaking uh, know, man. Tupperware. Tupperware? You think it's Tupperware? It's Tupperware. That makes sense. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. A salad box. I guess they had Tupperware back then. Yeah. Uh, but she already has a collection of of watches, uh, a ring. There's one that's a pill box. I'm like, God, they probably had some pills that an old lady needed. I was like, that's not, <laughs> that's a real bad one to take. I hope you drop the pills in the house or something. Yeah, Allie has killed and will kill again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't even seem like these are necessarily... Oh, she's stealing them to resell them. She just wants to have a collection. I, I kept recalling um, an old John Mulaney stand-up bit. Do you guys know that one yeah, where he like... Because it's the one thing that can't be replaced. Yeah, a friend who steals photos for people's homes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's horrifying. Right, right. Um, and that seems to be exactly what Ali Alma's MO is. Yep. And she tells a little bit of a story of how she she's got this whole system down. And that she went over to one of the old ladies. 
uh, Mrs. Sultan or Saltons and admired an eternity ring. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily what that means about a certain style uh, or whatever it I is. did not look up what an eternity ring is, but I did look up another word in that exact same sentence that she kept it in a little Toby jug. And, a uh, Toby jug. This is the best. This is the best thing I think to have come out of. Is incredible. Uh, <laughs> we talked about. We talked about. Uh, uh, what are they called? Kaganers. 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 Yeah. Last on Camp episode, or that was on Camp Goosebuds. Okay, on Camp Goosebuds. If you don't uh, subscribe to our Patreon, you should because you're missing a a crucial piece of lore here. Cultural uh, discussion. Cultural We're not discussion. even going to explain it. You can look it up yourself or you can give us a dollar and listen to us. <laughs> Get in <laughs> there. But you, we will tell you about Toby jugs, which are fancy jugs of people's heads that you drink out of. <laughs> and, and typically it's like a, it's like a pitcher um, where like they're where some of them are wearing tricorn hats and like the front tricorn is like the pitcher spout or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant well, design. It's, I don't know, but I love it. It's so like gaudy and gross. <laughs> are are they all? Is Toby the name of the person that's on the mug? You know, that's a great question. I did no digging on this. I just googled Toby Jug, and it was like, "Do you want to buy Toby Jugs?" And I was like, "Kind of." It's also known. <laughs> they're also known as a Philpot. Oh, I think it's just because it's it looks like a dude, <laughs> like. Like that's the whole thing. It's just see, I was dumb and I thought this is me. I, I love this podcast right now. Is just three Americans just kind of badly assuming things about uh, British culture. But you know what? We fought for liberty. We we broke away from you guys. So 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 whatever. And we gave your queen a free copy of Bioshock. We're cool. <laughs> uh, Toby, I thought Toby Leaf was like a li- Lord of the Rings phrase for for weed. Well, so I... here's where I'm thinking the term Toby comes from. Typically, the seated figure is a heavyset, jovial man holding a mug of beer in one hand and a pipe of tobacco in the other. He's holding his Toby in his hand. Yeah. So Toby, you don't tobacco. like? Would you maybe keep? tobacco in these no no it's a jug it's a it's a pitcher you put huh. you put like cream or something in there yeah you would drink That's out of confusing. it you would drink out of it while smoking your toby though what are you what are you gonna do like use it like a bong and like get, like full oh, on make drink the to- maybe i don't know actually that'd be a that'd be sick make one of these into a bong like a, a red-faced british man porcelain <laughs> figure staring at you yeah it's a jug. You put you put horribles in there. Or you keep your eternity ring in there and hope that Ali Alma doesn't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> this Toby jug is what uh Ali Alma shows that this is her entire con and we won't go through because it's a very I mean it's a it's a well written yeah. but it's just a game of gaslighting old people. It, she just uh, truly that is it. She just gaslights them until they give in. She cries, tells them that she'll buy them a new thing, and then they, they're like, don't worry about it, darling, and sends them on their way with her. This, yeah, to her. elaborate, she she makes the old people who already have weak memories and are not going to often suspect a sweet young girl by like, oh, you said it was in the Toby joke, but I swore that when I left yesterday, you still had it on your ring when you closed the door, and like maybe it's upstairs, and you just kind of like misdirect right. until the old person has given up any hope that they'll find it, uh, and then Alma gets to go home with her new treasure. Uh, th- this first one, like this story is really sad. It talks about how like this eternity ring, it's not necessarily that it has a lot of uh, monetary value. Mm-hmm. You know, there's di- diamonds on it. It Mrs. Salton just says it's like the last thing she has to remember her sister. Right. And Ali's like, cool, emotional weight. 
that's great for me. And she skips home. She takes it yep. home. Uh, she puts it with her other uh, emotionally charged items that she's stolen from people and moves on to her next her next target. And, and that's like, that's a good villain right there. Like, that's like, a- Allie fucking sucks. And like, I'm like, what punishment could be enough for this horrible young girl? Oh, and she's going to get a good one. Oh, she's going to get it. Yeah, she gets assigned to, what is their name? Uh, Struben? Miss Struben. Mrs. Struben. So we get a nice little taste of the old Jake's uh, book, uh, accent work here, which is really nice. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to follow in some. It is. Some uh, parts, oh, but... as, as a German, I had no issue reading that. <laughs> I, I thought it was really funny that like some things like dare and like mine would some words she would say it, but then sometimes she wouldn't say it. She would like, yeah. and I was like, is he going for like, kind of like, it's like, maybe she's like, just got a little bit of like the remnants of her accent or I, the way I truly read it was that I think the editor was like, you can't write that much in there and the kids are going to get so confused. So, cause it, cause in, uh, in the Redwall books, he mm-hmm. commits to an accent fully. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't care if you can understand it or right. not. He just writes it out phonetically. Exactly. Um, right. I, I think it is a little funny to have a. Uh, to have an Englishman making fun of a German person's or an Austrian person's English, mm-hmm. um, mostly because I feel like Germany and Austria kind of like have a better reputation at being like multilingual than English speakers do. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So being like you talk funny is kind of easily countered with you. You don't English speakers are really bad at learning other languages. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So Mrs. Struben has this egg. Yes, uh, Mrs. Struben has an egg. I picked this story thinking it was going to be about an edible, incredible <laughs> egg. Mm-hmm. But instead, it is not. It is a, it's not even a, um, like a Fabergé egg. It is a egg-shaped container that mm-hmm. contains a handmade, beautiful sculpture mm-hmm. of Mrs. Struben and all of her family, like, gathered around a, a table. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sounds impressive. And Mrs. Struben, uh, Allie has already, Allie almost already been like, that's mine. Yeah. In fact, in fact, she's blocking her out while she's telling the horrifying story of how she basically got the egg, the, the horrible day in her life when she got the egg and why it has like an Im- immense amount of meaning to her. She's blocking her out as she's con- con- concocting her plan to steal it. Yeah. Basically her uncle, it was like this, uh, craftsman guy. And he made gifts for everyone this one Christmas during the war. And her sister Helga gets slippers and she gets this egg, which is very like beautifully crafted. And her sister gets jealous, but her her uncle's like, no, 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 this gift isn't for you, Helga. He also lets on that the the egg has like protective qualities about it. Yeah, as long as, as, long as she has the egg, she'll never have to worry about any of the bombs falling, hitting her. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, which is sweet. Which is a which is a sweet gift to give a child. Um so uh the bombs continue to fall uh in in this one little Austrian village and uh they're hiding out in the basement and it gets to be so bad that they have to evacuate from the basement because people in the street are yelling get get the fuck out. They're they're shelling out down the rest of the village. And Mrs. Struben, as a child, escapes with her family, but she drops the egg back in the basement. And her sister Helga's like, now's my fucking chance. (laughs) (laughs) She goes in, she grabs the egg, and uh, apparently she dies of shock. 
Well, yeah, so like a bomb, a bomb does hit the building. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, so Helga's dead. Mm. And then they uncover Helga. The egg is still fine. And Helga's not physically harmed, but they best they can assume is, yeah, she had a heart attack from stress or worried alone down there in the basement by herself. So, like, her own kind of jealousy of this egg led to her downfall, in a way. And Allie is like, mm, I'm just going to ignore all that. I'll steal this tomorrow. Yeah, Allie's like, yeah, sounds good. And I like yeah. how <laughs> I like how Jake skips over the whole gaslighting rigmarole here because we already right. kind of know how it's gonna go right he just gets right to the I loved point it. He, he you the reader know the game now right yeah you just hear you hear the first part of it and i think within a couple sentences he says and so the game went to its inevitable conclusion cut to ali alma has the egg it's very fucked up because ali uh is like shall we call the police to, and and <laughs> basically plays upon miss strubin's nazi fear which was i thought was the yeah. most fucked up thing a yeah. kid character has done in a book that we've read. Also, Brian Jake saying the cops will not help you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the beach rules. No cops in Redwall is all I'm saying. There's no mouse cops at Redwall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this next part is very abstract, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's written as if it's actually happening and it's waiting for you, the reader, to kind of realize, oh, there's no way this could be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Allie is kind of separated from Alma and is like put into like this psychic prison where she's in a basement where bombs are falling everywhere. Yeah. After she goes to bed that night, right? It's like a dream sort of thing. She's just transported into a mental mind prison, I guess. Yeah. And it's honestly sick as hell. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking baller. It's Silent Hill, right? Yeah. It's like a Silent Hill version. Yeah. Of the Eastern European Silent Hill. Yeah. And it's fucked up and she's she gets feared to death. It's kind of like a John Wick moment for Mrs. Strubin almost. Because like <laughs> BJ has just like perfectly made this character so hateable that this fate, which is incredibly horrifying and grisly, getting like feared to death mm-hmm. in a mind prison, mm-hmm. or like half of you getting feared to death in the mind prison while the other half dies, or whatever. Like, it's very abstract and weird, but it's also like super cathartic because you're like, yeah, you shouldn't have fucked around like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it was like her, it was one version of her consciousness trying to like, like, they're like, give me the egg, come out of here, give me the egg, and, and, Ali Alma's evil side refusing. Cut to just uh, when what was the last sentence? Suddenly the bombing stopped. The voices faded, and there was darkness and peace. Ali felt herself floating on a silent black sea of infinity. She fucking died. Jake just wrote a child dying. B- BJ um, loves putting you right in a character's perspective at the moment of their death. He loves that shit. He does it all the time in Redwall. Maybe that's why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> I read a bunch of I read a bunch of really existential shit as a kid. Yeah, like that is like my exact like stress that like my exact stress thought like right there. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It, and you know he could have done this like a uh, Christmas Carol and and been like the you know the alley part of Ali Alma died and Alma went back the next day and gave everyone shit back and you know yeah. owned, owned up to the fact that she stole it like it could have been like she has a change of heart but BJ's like you know what fuck this kid dead <laughs> I I love not not only dead forgotten because yeah. the the final. 
The final epilogue is the funeral service where the staff of the volunteer branch all are all there at including all of the old ladies that she had helped slash stolen from. And they're like, oh, it's what a dreadful thing for a young teenager to die of a heart attack. You know, they heard it was natural causes for want of something better. And already the old ladies are starting to like forget her name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, like the because which I thought was a great callback to what Aliyama was doing was, was leaning into their own weak memory. Right mm-hmm. now, she is not even remembered perfectly right. by these people she stole from. It was oh, loved it. Yeah, well, it was a great. I, I I felt like it was up there with um, like the Yellow King, right? Like yeah, like it's it's like a very like Chambers style Robert Chambers style horror story. I thought it was very very cool. But but this one says fuck them kids. This one definitely says fuck them kids. <laughs> I like that he took a hard stance and said, fuck them kids. RL has not come out and said yet whether or not to, those kids should get fucked. Yeah. RL, be brave. Be brave. Come on be out bold. And say it. Yeah. I feel like RL came at this from like the angle of, I am advertising to the children. And BJ came at this from the angle of, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to tell the kids some shit and they yeah. better be on fucking notice. Kids better. Like, these feel like morality stories a little bit, at least these first two. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, definitely. I think the third one has a little bit of that, um, which we can get yeah. to now. The sad history of Gilly Bodkin, AKA the sweet sense. I can read the uh, poem for this. Oh, one I would love it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. The sad history of Gilly Bodkin begins with a poem. Waiting, waiting, year by year, as centuries turn to dust, here's a ghost you shouldn't fear, whose tale is so unjust. Waiting through each season in a wayside lane, for a simple reason, loneliness and pain. Will you see him as you pass, Gilly standing there midst the hedges and the grass? His life was so unfair, waiting, waiting, year by year, till winter has begun, or when the spring is drawing near. Through rain and wind and sun, far away the birds may fly, cross clouds neath skies of gray, hear the ghostly boy's sad cry, oh why must Gilly stay? Oh, it's so good. This is a sad story. I love this story. This is my favorite, I think. Yeah, I think this is my favorite story because, one, if you read it and you make Gilly's voice be Bach from (laughs) Elden Ring, it makes him incredible and lovable as hell. He's got a Samwise from the books energy as yes. well. Totally. Yes. Totally. He's just a sweet little boy. Uh, and we learn right away within like the first uh, two paragraphs that he's going to die in this. And we kind of yeah. learn it in the, in the poem too. But yeah. but you learn right away that he has died. Uh, he's died and we, we get brought up to who Gilly is. He's a part of a um, a very large family. I think 13 kids. An unlucky mm-hmm. number. Uh, every sperm is sacred. And oh. every sperm, they all. I must fill my quiver full. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and it's 1690 is when this is happening. So we're going way back. Um, and it's a it's a poor farming family. They don't have much. They've got cows and pigs and chickens, but they use them to to grow things for the the squire whose land they live on, Squire Manfield. Uh, and I love this. Like he talks about, he doesn't have a lot of. He, he's the thirteenth child. He's not going to get educated. He's and a farming child at that, right? Um, right. And I love he has this thing where the things that he knows are just what he learned from his family about how one cow is one cow and two cows are a pair, and then the rest is either a big herd or a miserable little one. And uh, he calls the four children of, of Squire Manfield, who he who his family works under, a, a miserable little herd, which he gets his 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 ears boxed by mom, which I thought was just a uh, 
a cute little burn by Gilly. Just L- a clever little life, burn. Life is hard for Gilly. Life is very hard for Gilly. He's not loved. Not a loved no. boy. But he so desperately wants to eat something sweet. The only sweet thing he's ever eaten was an apple that he stole from uh, the Manfield estate. And he has heard these these sweetmeats are sweeter than an apple? Yeah, and I love that there's this paradox of apples, which is apples hanging from the tree are for the Manfields. But any apples that drop are for the animals, right? For the pigs, they're caught in the in the in the empty space between, right? There, there's almost like this kind of um, I'm trying to think of the phrasing for, but like the way Gilly's family teaches him to want nothing because they deserve nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's almost a an Amorton Joe, don't thirst for yeah. the water, <laughs> yes, uh, my friends, and that like Gilly's dad is saying like. If you had something that sweet, it'll drive you crazy. Yes. Um, and like he tells a story about going one time he was <laughs> his dad was able to go to town and tells a fantastical story where like the roads had rocks and just talks about like it was so much noise. It would make you go insane. Mm-hmm. Almost like you're lucky to be here in this squalor. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, it's like, um, you know, there's a there's enough flavor in a flaming hot Cheeto to Cause a, <laughs> um, a medieval peasant to go insane like that that yeah. twitter post <laughs> i've never heard that before but that's incredible <laughs> well we find out that uh yeah we find out essentially all that we're given the lay of the land right this family is is poor they're they're worked to their bone they're given nothing and they're and they should be happy that they are given nothing it is the day of michael mass which i had to look up apparently they used, to, they used to have a michael miss which was the day of uh of the archangel michael's oh, uh, i guess he him. got a, his own little day his own fun yeah, day he gets a mass yeah, yeah. He's, he's cool yeah sword <laughs> uh they get sure the, did. The, the family he's the coolest one because he had a sword uh yeah they the family the manfield family is going to uh ride into town which is a month-long affair uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, you could die from being outside for too long back then. So, uh, I guess they yeah. had to be careful. Uh, by the way, because this is a Halloween-type story, I guess, uh, Michaelmas says it's, what, September 29th? So, this is, like, an autumn-fall story. They're, they're heading in for, like, the, oh, yes. the Squire family is heading in for, like, a good old harvest, harvest fest. Yes, they are. They're gonna go, they're gonna have a bacchanal of sweetmeats. We should have a we should have a Michaelmas this year. Let's let's we ce- let us celebrate Michaelmas. Yeah. Swing our swords around at each other. Let's do it. Oh my yeah. goodness, we're doing Michaelmas this year. Hell yeah! Fuck yeah, dude. So they're headed to the Michaelmas. The girls are feasting upon, they're supping upon sweet meats as they roll along. And Gilly sees the coach and he asks a simple question to the girls. Please, may I have one sweet meat of yours? One, one sweet <laughs> stick. That is all I ask. Because they're they're resplendent with sweet meats in this cart. They're everywhere. To the point How that- could you say no to Hoy there, missies, I be Gilly Bodkin. I ain't never tasted sweet meats. Do you feel free to toss them out to me? Oh. How could you say no? I mean they sure could. They sure do. They the one girl spits at him, which I thought was fucked up. <laughs> And then and then her mom yells at her, and I love that she she yelled at her, uh, and told him that she was going to physic her with brimstone when they get back. Which I just thought it was so cool to say someone was going to be physicked with brimstone. Uh, <laughs> a, a cool period appropriate phrase. That's some bloodborne energy, right? That there. is some yes. <laughs> a game you could not beat if you were a knight. By the way. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You're not allowed to play it. No, you can play it. You just can't beat it. You just get past it. You have to yeah. die. 
so he he begs for it. He's told that he cannot have it. And in the ensuing mayhem of him asking, he he reaches out. So she throws a stick of of sweet at him. He it misses him and falls to the ground. And he goes to reach for it. And upon reaching for it, he spooks uh, Squire Manfield's horse, which lun- which rears up, throws Squire Manfield from its back. And then comes down upon Gilly's head, killing him. And the last thing he sees is the sugar stick falling into the mud. Yeah, he, the last thing he sees is the sweet meat, and he's just out of reach of it. Yeah. Landed upright in the mud like a small javelin. Brian Jakes, you are magnificent. Oh, this my. is this this has some of like the best of Brian Jakes in here. I love the the like Red Wall Feast energy is like really alive here where uh, they're mm. just like listing foods that sound good. Like yep. Gilly long to taste sweet meats, almond fingers, fruit truffles, toffee apples, vanilla pastilles, candy dates, and above all, sugar sticks. Sugar sticks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming you guys already looked this up already or just knew. Like, they're literally just talking about a stick made out of sugar. Yeah, it's rock yeah. candy. It, yeah. It's rock candy. Okay, it's rock candy. Yeah, okay. Nothing special. It's just sugar. But to a to a, to a a poor boy like Gilly, that's a, a, king's, a king's feast. Be it sweeter in apples. Be it sweeter than apples so he fucking dies <laughs> and his dad apologizes yeah and his dad and squire manfield's like thrown from the horse and like complaining that his coat's all muddy now it's such an amazing like skewering of the upper class i mm-hmm. feel yes like oh yeah the whole this whole this whole story is written very much i mean the way that like the young girls in the k uh in the carriage are like there he writes them as if they are like greedy pigs mm-hmm. uh there, there is nothing loving about the Squire family in in this book. No, in fact, we learn of their downfall, and it's because of all of this terribleness that they that they have inside of them that ultimately brings them down. Uh, yeah, so Squire Manfield uh, gets up. He's so he's so mad. Uh, he's yeah. his new velveteen riding coat is dirty, and <laughs> and uh, Mister Gilly's dad uh, is a yep. dickhead, Mister Botkin. Uh, and he he apologizes profusely. He's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll clean up my dead son. You go on, you know." Like t- ushers him on, uh, and they ride off. And he buries Gilly under a stone in a field, and uh, they leave his his grave without a thought. Basically, <laughs> can, I, can I can I mark one detail because I thought it was like yeah. horrifically cruel of the Bodkins to throw it off. There's one moment, right? Because you're you're totally right in that, like to the squire's face. Uh, Mr. Bodkin is just like, ain't but a thing. We have many mouths to feed. Go on about your way. Ain't, ain't what? And then you would hear like the Mrs. Mrs. Squire is like, what's keeping us so long? We're going to be late for the festival. Like, yeah, they are just tossing that kid off, off into the trash. Mm-hmm. But there's one paragraph where after the coach has left, Mr. Bodkin spits on the earth. And it basically is like, you treat your beast better than your workers, killing a child mine and worrying more about your precious coat and bridges. But that's your right, isn't it? The power of life and death over the likes of us. Like, yep. it's both accepting and there's an anger inside. I mean, yes, I think he lets him get away with too much. He He's just killed his son. Right. But there's something sad about he can't say it to his boss, obviously, but he knows it's wrong. It's, it's such an amazing, like, encapsulation of the situation where the Bodkins can't even grieve for their son because they're too fucking tired and overworked. Like, right. And we're still, I guys... We're still in a classist system. I don't know if anybody <laughs> But like if if someone if someone close to you dies, you still have to go into fucking work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they bury Gilly in a sack. 
Yeah, barely a ceremony. Put a big rock without a marker on it. And then get back to living. Get back to work chopping turnips for the squire's livestock and themselves. They literally bury him and say, we'd best be about our work. Twon't get done by itself. (laughs) And they move on. That's legit still happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we we come into a rainy, cold winter night. And uh, Gilly is tramping across a muddy field towards his home and is having a hard time walking. And he gets there and he, he knocks upon the window and he asks if, let me in, let me in, it's cold out here. And <laughs> and nobody hears it. Nobody hears him but his sister. And they think that, you know, his sister's just being a little sad because their brother just died, but they got to get back to the fields tomorrow. Uh, I, and they, I like this. I like this little recurring detail that not everyone can see Gilly. Only mm-hmm. some people can see like, Gilly. It seems like children yeah. mostly, just children. Can the see magic, yeah. the magic rules in this entire thing are so great because he doesn't explain anything, but it all works, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like the one of the youngest kids happens to see him. Uh, he feels a bit of a in, inability to go into the house. He's like he's almost. His headache lessens when he's closer to the rock, i.e. where his body is. It's, that, it's great. It's just very organic. Mm-hmm. That's like the most fucked up thing about this entire story is that Gilly has a headache for 300 years. Oh, my God. I thought about that. <laughs> he nursed the worst hangover of all time. And it's uh, that is the most devastating part of all of it for me. Is but he's, yeah, he's soul bound to an empty field. Yes. Yep. So he's wandering this field. He finds... Uh, he 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 sees the uh, Manfields coming back one day. He sca- he spooked Squire Manfield's horse again, which is objectively hilarious. Yeah, uh, sending him into Gilly's the dirt. Revenge. Gilly's revenge sends him into the dirt. Uh, and I do believe that that is the moment that was the downfall of that family. So I want to say that he did it. Uh, <laughs> that sent him down the long. That path. sent him down the long path to failure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he he hangs out in the in the field. I don't think anything too. Uh, momentous happens after that. Pretty much the that uh, that he gets hurt. I think the the one of the daughters does see him. Right. Uh, I thought there was this that in that moment in the the case. There's a couple moments really. I mean, Gilly basically gets to witness the passing of time. Right. Um, like the family stops using that path, uh, either because of spooks or because of of bad luck. Mm-hmm. And there's stories of like old mystics know to to watch out for the mountain that. Uh, Mrs. Manfield died alone mm-hmm. and Mr. Manfield like drank himself to death and the the girls all married themselves off and left the yep. house to ruin. Yep. Yeah, he didn't have a son, so he drinks himself to death. The wife died scolding him. Uh, we got a little more of that in here. Jakes, you're gonna have to work on that part. <laughs> uh, the, the, and then the four daughters are married off. They moved to all over the world, yada, yada, yada. And essentially nothing happens for another 300-ish years, right? Until... Yeah. 300 years later, a horseless carriage appears on the road driving up mm-hmm. to where to where Gilly sits and a family pops out and we get a nice little uh, bit of accent work where he does a Texan accent here, which is wow. some fun stuff. Uh, there's nothing I love more than uh, British folks trying to put on an American like accent it always ends up texas it almost always is texas it's really good i'm not i'm, I'm no. not mad like no like our our accents are ridiculous so yeah it's just fun it's fun to hear it it's fun to be like yeah. oh wow that's what we sound like cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> and this and this texas family is actually uh we learn is a descendant 
Wayne Manfield Lee and his wife Tammy and their four daughters, very mm. much a parallel to the original ancestors. They are touring their old ancestral home. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, while we grew up in Texas, where I knew our family was actually from England and uh, this is all our old land. It'll be a cute trip. And they have a, and the girls have a bunch of uh, tourist snacks in the back of their car. Yep. Yep. A bunch of sweet meats. And Gilly appears to one named Agnes after her great, great something grandmother. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like, this is the reincarnation of the original Agnes, one of the yeah. children mm-hmm. who rode in the cart that threw the sweet meats initially. So that's a nice little bit of like the circle is complete kind of right, thing. Right. Um, and Agnes gives Gilly uh, a barley uh, sugar stick. And he says, be it sweeter in apples, which is a, a just an adorable fucking line by Gilly. Be it sweeter than apples. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted this to end with American candy, though. Like, I really I wanted this to end with, I know it had to be a sugar stick, but like, I really wanted this to be just one really long, weird advertisement for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she handed him a warhead. He makes the, he makes the, gu- yeah, he makes the sour face and then just vanishes. And she's like, wow, they really can kill you. <laughs> 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 the the actual ending is equally funny. He finally gets the barley stick, and he tastes it, and he's like, "Ugh, oh, it is sweeter than apple. It fucking sucks." <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> he <fucking> dies. <laughs> well, he passes on. He dies. Right? <laughs> he fades. He fades down. <laughs> he fucking dies. He's like, "Ugh." That that is maybe the funniest thing ever. Is just like living your entire ghost life waiting for like one thing to happen and then it happens and it's not this big angelic moment if i can finally <laughs> right. move on it's a so oh yeah the the world's disappointing <laughs> yeah dad was right uh sweet things are only for gentry folk and beasts he says. Uh, <laughs> oh it's so good he's, he's he's so nice though even after that like you think that it's rude he's like do i do be sorry i wasted any sweet meat missy agnes <laughs> My headache's gone. Like, and he just fades away. That's it's kind of beautiful. It is. Yeah. No, it one hundred percent is. It's a really nice ending. It's very funny. Uh, it's like similar to the the Jamie and the Vampires, where it's like this kind of like fun joke of an ending, but like I think much funnier and much sweeter. Uh, pun intended. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to follow around a nice character that bad things happen to because we've mm-hmm. had a lot of like. Like Jamie was kind of a gray character that bad things happened to. Right. And Allie was definitely a horrible character that worse things happened to. And now we have a nice character that bad things happen to. And it's and and eventually a good thing happens. I think that's a nice little we picked three good ones. I we feel. did. There was good variance among all of them. They all had their own different vibe. And I think the order that we just read them in, because and that's probably why they're in the book this way, just worked out really nicely. I think the sweet taste left in your mouth from the sad history of Gilly Botkin was a nice thing to end on. I don't know what the seventh story is like, but I'm happy to to end it on Gilly Botkin today. Yeah, but I think I'd kind of like to read the rest of these stories if you guys are interested in making another episode about if this. If people like this, I'd, I'd be down. Yeah, I would read the other four for sure. And hey, uh, if you especially want us to do this sooner rather than later, why don't you let us know on our Patreon? <gasps> if you want to support the show, get access to bonus episodes like Camp Goosebuds. You can vote on what books we cover next. Actually, y'all just selected a real crazy one that we're going to track down copies of. I'm looking forward to. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, you go to patreon.com slash goosebuds and get access to that. Control the future. <laughs> Take some control. Do it. 
I think this has been a pretty magical episode, y'all. Like, I, I, I'm really getting to appreciate uh, Brian Jakes' writing again. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to read more of the Redwall books. He's great. Honestly, he's so much fun to read. I, I think I like some of these stories more than others, but in, in general, I just think he's just a really fun author to read because he characterizes his characters so fast. Like, there's just so much personality and such a short word count. Mm-hmm. Totally. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. For these short stories, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice to revisit him. Um, I haven't re I reread Martin the Warrior a couple of years like ten years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't reread it in a long time. And before that I hadn't read it since I was a kid. And it's really nice. I, I was we've been talking about maybe reading one of his books on here, but I think this was a great way to get a little taste of the Jakes b- before we dive into anything longer. A little slice of Jake's. A little slice of Jake's. Yeah. Oh, but too, if it was too sweet, it would drive a person mad. <laughs> Sweeter than apples. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely love Gilly. What a great character. I, I think that's it, guys. You got anything to talk about? Like, obviously, uh, things to check out while you're listening to this episode that's out in September. Uh, by the time this goes live, uh, Space Kings, the book, is available for purchase. Yeah. Buy my book, Space Kings. It'll, it's, it'll be available now at spacekings.space. If you think I'm cool, then you'll probably like my tabletop RPG. <laughs> you could make a Gilly Bodkin character in it. It's possible. Oh, Kevin, please put a Gilly Bodkin NPC in one of your next games. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I didn't have him betray us. I actually, I really like, um, I, I really like this story. I might rip it off at some point. <laughs> You should. It's great. Like, the way the way to encounter this, I kept thinking about how like you could done a ghost story, like a goosebumps, and have this be the backstory, and it would have been so satisfying to uncover. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. Why why Gilly is the way he is? Mm-hmm. Um, just just wants to eat some sweet. Uh, Paul, you got anything like you should check out? You want to plug? Yeah. Nah, just keep listening to this show, please. Paul, you want to plug Space Kings? Yeah, go buy Kevin's book, please. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> please buy Kevin's book and then tell us what your character is like. Uh, oh, yeah, I'd love to hear out. about that. Yeah. Also check out Pretend Friends, the podcast where Paul and Kevin <laughs> and sometimes myself play through Space Kings. Uh, you can also make sure you listen to the old Goosebuds RPG episodes where we play through it. Yes, please. Uh, I'm going to go get something that's just real, like, bitter- <laughs> and 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 like some some raw potatoes. I think that's the best I deserve. Nice raw potatoes tonight. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna go listen to the Mountain Goats. I guess <laughs> I'm gonna go play Bioshock because I'm a freaking regular person and not a stupid knight that can't. <laughs> that's right. Fuck you, Crown. <laughs> Suck it. All knights. right. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Bye. 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 This show is brought to you by the support of our wonderful patrons who appear in the Book of Names. First name, Stefan Jive Turkey Kuwabara. Hollis Hornbeak. Low Belly Hate Me. Cameron Murphy Audio. Michael McDowell. Hey Josh Rob. Mickey C. Nathan Dolezal. Kelly C. Period. Mike Lanteri. Buddy Morrill. Allocade. Mail Dipson. Afshin. Danky McStanky. Dango Twist. Brian Wells. Zentacles. Stealth Bates. Robert Moon. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keaty. Calf. 
third Sergio. Good news. Chad talked to Aaron and is restarting Paranoia Shop. Thank you for the pledge, but this is a lie. <laughs> Quentin, I am in your walls. Oh, look out, Quentin. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. <laughs> Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. He rolls those dice. Jar Jar Slinks. Chosen One. Levi Fan. Up and Champ. Jonas Eggman. Carl. Anthony Mulberry. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. An elusive koala. Henny Markovina. Joe. Brook X. Jesus Christ. Christian Vunskiver. Alicia Grave. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hobgood. Zach Connor. Patreon, underscore, donator, comma, yo. Joe, spooky, digital ghost, Tierney. Andrew Jadzik thinks MC Hamster is truly too legit to quit. Well, oh, some compliments. Nice. Some nice words. Lord Cornwallis. <laughs> Carson Birkenbean. Murph Epp. EP. I know it's EP. Jonas Blotterman. Tevin Ticklebean will protect the big Jeff baby. <laughs> Sean Minogue. <laughs> Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it! Luke LaFountain. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. John Pigeonhat. Barber. Paul Grasso. Joe, regular name, Scott. Sarah Camp. Uh, I've been wanting to say this one for a while. Yeah. Alex Moon, the robotic dog. You did it. You made it. He got it's it. It's a fun one. Tanya Turtle. Vincent Modica. Luke Canoodles. Juan Jalapeno. Hugh Bolin. Zambambino. Keith Halcrow. Timothy Miso Dulacus. Clay McCarty. Matthew Stevens. Parker Lee. Ham underscore boat. Hey guys, Kevin here. What properties should a magical knife called the Steamlin Cleaver have? I do believe we addressed this. I still have more questions than answers. <laughs> I think it should be uh, piercing damage. <laughs> piercing damage, but with uh, added heat roll damage. Oh yeah, it's burning. It's, it's fire piercing. Yeah. And potential uh -huh. poison as well. Pure emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond Hernandez. Flimily. The Crow Fence, but seasonal. Ooh, nice. Matthew, Matthew Sutton. Nathan Remick. Need more kimchi. Lee Wood. Jeffrey Owen Cahey. Kelsey Kinneman. Reed Steubendike. Russell Castberg. Javier Jimenez. Brendan Arafin. Chris Petrakis. Scotty Pippen. Joey Evans. Streak. Meat. Virginia. Carewise Gamgee. Dungeon Kappa. Super Swaggy 64, Rise of the Sunshine Yellow Squire. Ooh, that's a rare card. Cameron Hansen owns it. MC <laughs> Hamster. There he is. <laughs> Never change. Zach Weary. Limp Duck. Stinklitch. Alan G. Jessam. R.L. Slime. Oh. Got him. Got him. Generally depressing. The Deadly Bulb. Tobias Clark. Yeah, yeah. Ben Bohan. Andre Villanueva. Hey, Anthony. I'm glad you're doing better. Keep up the good work. Great job, Anthony. Ryan Stewart. Estamina, Lord of Paul's Pants. Jonas and Avoldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. The Davy Boy. Nick Johnson. Stephen Day. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb! Loved your movie. Ryan Carroll. <laughs> Jeremy Bowser. Megan McCormick Mason. It was weird that it was 90 minutes of just birthing a lamb. I thought that was a weird <laughs> It was a long process to get that lamb out of that vagina. Yeah. <laughs> but they did it, and it was worth filming. Hooves, hooves first. <laughs> a pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. Ninja Breadmen. David Gray. 
Peanutburg level 69. Bryce Deary. Matthew Bretado. Got little old moi pretty Frenched. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. Great, great read. Great, really, really calming. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really close to the energy of the first original yeah. line. Mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna I'm, I'm gonna bring it down to Doctor Chocula, Phony, some of Chad's bird friends, Nicholas Maloney. <laughs> oh my god, subverted my expectations. <laughs> Moon juice, burger, squoze body. Oh, oh no, squoze. Midwest Indigo thirteen. Thomas Jansis, Aaron Lord, Eric Horwitz, Tiffany Lee, Doctor Egg Drop Soup Man. Dunnage Warehouse. SSJ Trogdor. Lucretia McEvil. Elm Realm. Mutant Astronaut. Henry Torbert. Adam Knapp. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Jesse Hammock. Logan Derby. <laughs> Brad Schmelzer. Chick. Milk Punk. Mr. Misfire. Ow, my hand. <laughs> Mandy Nasty. Llama Lad. Skeletorin. Chris. Donzig versus Sean Astin. The battle for Polly Shore's soul begins now. I don't completely understand that name, but I like it. I have more questions than I have answers. Yuplin. <laughs> Philip Reynolds. Detroit Red. N8BitG. Soggy Newspapers. Chris Kulik. Dakota Camp. John W. R.R. Davis-Craft's Rye Animator. Scott Wable. Kit Bush. Elden Lord and Queen Concert to Best Girl Ranny, Dr. Mr. Unimportant. A beautiful choice. Rocco! 976 Evil. Josh Howell. Gazella. Liam Rogers. Evan Bowen. Kiwi of Lerv. Serial Killer X. Oh my god, that's what it is? It's of Lerv? Oh my god, yeah. I thought it was Kiwi of Lerv forever. I, I like it both ways, honestly. Yeah. You yeah. can take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Clip saved. Greg Musto. Benjamin Luther. Dennis Wright. Jover the Moon. Cameron Gunzeveld. Hi, first time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Posivi. Matt Septor. Greg Gervasi, a.k.a. Vinizen. Dakota Kipper. Dom's Dubious Ding Dang Dong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> dubious is a fun word for you, Dom. It, it really is. It doesn't even sound like a dick thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anthony Rodriguez. B. Hilda B. Jeff Webb is still Big Baby, but we both sincerely appreciate your well wishes. I'm glad you're getting better, Jeff. Yeah. Good luck being a big baby. <laughs> Damn, Chad, bury him. <laughs> <laughs> Internet certified Reverend Odin's Eyehole, MD. Congratulations. Toraku, the thing that goes doink <laughs> in the anime. Doink. Jonathan McAnick. Ollie underscore Suts. Kate the Great. Mikeart. Spencer Y. The Secret Provider. James Stavrinos. Gelato Coon. Cassandra Harris. Gulliver. Chris no longer skips the banter. Byers. Yes. Congrats, Chris. You made it. The last time, the the last (laughs) name was my favorite. Soap. Big Nick Lane. Kira and Brian are big fans. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Goblin Grader from Gitzgram. <laughs> D Rose Guy 863 Leet Speak. How did you read that? Right? That three is an E. Incredible. I couldn't read I couldn't read that. He knows the old text. <laughs> <laughs> A remake of Book of Eli, but I just speak Lee. <laughs> Blake Bad Time Having Caven. 
Nice. Quicksand truther. Oh man, they finally found <laughs> us. <laughs> you haven't proved it yet, Kevin. Dan Antonio. Truther means the thing's a lie, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I think so. Well, we're, no, no. Quicksand truther means they believe in quicksand. Quick, quicksand truther, give us more context. <laughs> please, ex- append your name. <laughs> <laughs> and please do it in lead speak so that the people above us cannot see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't let Biden see it. Grab comics. And new to the book of names, Stinko the Clown. <laughs> Love it. Lynn Motes. Welcome the Puerto Rican demon. And hello, the one known as Troman. And welcome to George Props. Master of Props. <laughs> You're all stuck here now. Ha ha. ha. Welcome to name time. <laughs> Thank you very much. We love you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone. We love you. Bye. Bye. Flypaper. The work of the people. Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.